Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Small Market Podcast. This week we're talking Hoffman. Talk to Jeff Kimmerly, the media coordinator of MHSAA and the editor of MHSAA's online magazine, The Second Half. We want to talk about the postponement of high school football across the state of Michigan. And Jeff was the guy that we were able to get a hold of today. What did you think of this interview today, Wataki? I thought this was a little different take than what we usually have. Usually uh, we're kind of digging into people's history and backgrounds. This is more of a topical what's going on right now and how it's affecting you know high school athletes and stuff. More, I don't want to say investigative reporting, but, but kind of like that. Kind of, a, kind of a news piece, right? Yeah, almost more of a news piece. Right. This isn't the kind of thing I typically uh, enjoy as much as, say, the, the like the storytelling from Denny McLean or Jim Brandstetter, what we've done the last couple of weeks. But it was still necessary, I felt, because it, I had a few burning questions that I wanted to ask the MHSAA or, or a representative of and just kind of see why they chose to make the decisions they made why wait a whole week after the NCAA, a, a bigger entity, you know, a national entity, decided to just completely cancel the season? Mm-hmm. And why this high school, this Michigan High School Association, decided to finally do something about it? And this was this was an interesting perspective on this uh, interview because a lot of the questions, as well, were submitted from coaches from the area of not just football, but Absolutely. different sports submitted questions to you, and we were able to ask them on the air, you know, to to this gentleman, you know, this representative of the MHSA, MHSAA. So, you know, it's just different, you know, to actually get uh, listeners' questions as opposed to just our own. Absolutely. I, I thought we hit him with some pretty tough questions, and he handled it well. So here's our interview with Jeff. Thanks for joining us, Jeff. We really appreciate sure. it, man. That's... Uh, Especially at the last minute, kind of got you, got you at the no last minute there. So, um, yeah. Um, so we read your article this morning and stuff. I, I know you released it a couple days ago, but uh, my background is I, I worked in a school, and so I know a lot of teachers and coaches and stuff. So we, I, a lot of them, kind of came up with questions, and I, I thought about it this morning. I'm like, I want to talk to these guys. I want to talk to the MHSAA and and see what they have to say about some of this stuff. So, yes, um, sure. So it's going to sound like I'm reading it, because I am reading. <laughs> uh, I fielded some questions from these guys. Um, one of them was from a track coach, and he said, uh, so being a track coach, this is what I've got to, this is what I'm wondering about. What is happening with the, What is happening with the track season? I heard some ideas for the baseball season, but nothing on track. So everything that we are working on right now is still conceptual in nature. Uh, but I would say if I was going to make a, a pretty educated guess, uh, I think the way we'll fit football season in is we will put it at the end of the winter and the start of the spring. I would think we will probably start track a couple weeks later and finish a couple weeks later. Uh, and that way we'll still be able to give track almost the, the same same um, length of season as it would have any other year. It just it will end probably close to when our baseball, softball, soccer finals are, generally, uh, instead of that first weekend in June. And, and that's not written in stone by any means, but that's just where I think we probably are headed uh, for that sport. Okay. Have you guys uh, discussed or considered the, the option of a fall track season by any chance? So early, early in this process of deciding 
what sports would be in the fall. Uh, we talked about flipping uh, all spring sports and all fall sports, but the issues there uh, were that, for example, boys lacrosse is a contact sport, just like football. Uh, girls lacrosse, while not full contact, is still uh, very similar to soccer in that you're covering athletes and girls soccer is in the spring just like boys soccer is in the fall so it didn't really solve uh the issue of taking contact sports out of the fall season so we we didn't decide to go with spring sports and we didn't want to move just certain sports to the fall um we didn't want to have to make students make decisions on which sports they wanted to compete in uh after already missing an entire spring of participating so as we're going ahead here with the rest of our fall sports, surely there are some soccer players who run track or some tennis players who run track or on the girls' side, golfers or, or, or well, cross-country runners, of course. Uh, that's the most obvious one, also run track. So it, it wouldn't really work to have, say, a cross-country and a golf season in the fall at the same time. Sure, yeah. Now, no, Jeff, uh, I, I have a question. I was reading the article um, obviously, mm-hmm. put football, the rest of the sports are going to be allowed to play. My big question, though, was when I was reading it, uh, the swimming teams are allowed to swim. Doesn't It just seems to me that being everybody in the same pool, you know, you might have 10 people in the same pool. I mean, they're in their own lanes, but, you know, you would think there'd be a higher transfer rate in a pool type of sport, you know, in swimming and diving. Sure. Like, that's almost as dangerous as a I, contact sport, you know? So I was just kind of curious why that made the cut and, and football didn't. So the information we've received on swimming is that that contact is not uh, at the same level uh, because obviously swimmers are in the water the majority of the time. Uh, there's a ton of chlorine there that helps a lot, of course. Uh, when you have pools that have a number of lanes, you can spread people out a little bit more uh, also. And so that gives some distance between competitors. So on one hand, it's, it's difficult because you're inside and, and that does make it, you know, potentially a moderate risk sport. But at the same time, the information we've gotten from all the health people is that with, with the way people are in the water for the most part and the amount of spreading out you can do, it, it should be okay. Uh, volleyball and, and soccer, there is some moderate risk there. Uh, volleyball, certainly at the net. Uh, and, and soccer during corner kicks uh, with, with players marking each other defensively, uh, going up for headers, things like that. Um, the difference being with football, it's really face-to-face contact, and, and for the people up front, it's constant. Uh, you're going into a huddle for maybe 30 seconds, but then you're back on the line for a minute, uh, constantly in, in faces with other players that are inches from you. So there's certainly a lot more contact in football and that's why volleyball and soccer we think that uh by by having just really moments of contact there plus the possibility of uh having some other safety measures in place we we think we can play those and and keep people safe doing so okay um i don't know what kind of regulations you guys hold as far as like the crowd or the audience or whatever I mean, even more than pro sports, parents and families want to be there for their their students sure. or siblings. What kind of do you guys ha- does your regulating body have anything to do with what uh, schools can do, or do, are the schools kind of on their own f- for that? Well, it's it's kind of a mix. Uh, you start with the governor's office and the the Safe Start plan, and that really regulates how many people can be at an outdoor event. 
uh, depending on what phase that region of the state is in. And then for the phases that are allowed to, or I'm sorry, the regions that are allowed to be indoors, which is only six and eight at this time, uh, it regulates the number of people that can be indoors in an event. So it, it really starts with the governor's office and, and her plan. And then we have guidelines that we're gonna pass on that are based on that. Uh, but then at the end of the day, uh, it's up to schools as well to decide what they're comfortable doing. I, I think it's very possible that say we end up all in phase five at some point this fall uh, that would allow for uh, it's a certain percentage or a total. It depends on, on how um, we end up getting the go ahead on that to, to interpret it. But then a school could say, we don't feel comfortable with that many fans. Uh, we only feel comfortable with uh, this number and we're going to limit it to parents or, or whatever. So it's really a combination of all of those things. That, that was kind of one of the tough things with football that, you know, there really isn't a silver lining here. Everybody wanted to play in the fall, of course. But uh, by moving to the spring, the chances of us having our usual or at least similar uh, crowds for a football game go up substantially because there, there was a great chance we were going to start football season without fans in the stands as well. Yeah, understandable. Uh, I got one more track question for you, Jeff. Um, sure, sure. If track is run into the summer, what will be done for the athletes wanting to get their last chance to play organized sports but needing to make some summer money before starting college? This is like kind of more directed towards seniors and stuff. Sure. I, I mean, it's, it's a difficult question, and we realize that. And unfortunately, we're just going to – we're going to need people to be flexible. I mean, this is a, a once, hopefully, in a lifetime situation. Sure. Uh, and yeah. things are going to be a little different this school year and, and no one's ever ever made it sound like they wouldn't be uh, so yeah I, hey I understood I worked 40 hours a week when I was a high schooler and when I was in college and you have to fit all those things in but uh, you know hopefully there's an opportunity for an athlete to compete and still have some kind of summer job and, and, and do those things and we're obviously going to be as our schools are going to be as supportive as possible of getting people all of the opportunities they can uh and especially after we weren't able to compete last spring in these sports absolutely now uh one of my pals is a uh, is a football coach and the way he kind of described how he got the information which you know you could probably admit is is unfair but um probably kind of an afterthought on you guys's part they were practicing they were on the football field practicing and um kind of during a break some of his players are checking their phones and they're seeing social media and they're going hey coach it says right here football's canceled or postponed what, what why are we even here today you know and so um it, you know it feels like maybe coaches or ad's should have been alerted ahead of time and then a press release gone out or you know something to social media well, and, or something. and they were Okay. They were. Uh, it, it's. It, it wasn't a long a, a long amount of time before, but unfortunately, that's where we're at, kind of technologically. Um, one of the one of the things we've had to really sort out uh, with these announcements, and, and really over the last couple of years, it used to be in the past we could let our athletic directors know an hour in advance, or many hours in advance, and then put the press release out and let people know. Uh, but now, it, with social media especially, we'll let athletic directors know, and they'll post it directly to their social media accounts, and then these schools are finding out from other athletic directors' social media accounts instead of us. 
uh, which you don't want to have happen either. So I, obviously the, the situation that you described is not how we want these things to come out. We, we really try to uh, pay special attention with this one. We wanted to get this news out to coaches and ABs first so they could address their teams. Um, but there was, it's a tough scenario this time because during preschool times, you have teams practicing from 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. So picking a time where you're going to catch everybody in front of their computer is hard. Um, picking a time when everybody's going to have their phone on them is difficult. Uh, we've talked a little bit about at least giving athletic directors maybe an hour's notice of saying, hey, there's an announcement coming sort of thing. But, uh, but we did give some notice. It wasn't a ton. But unfortunately, we still wanted to make sure that it was coming from us and not uh, other people, be it athletic directors, coaches, or players, being the ones to notify other schools by, you know, indirectly through notifying their communities. And so... Yes, you're right. It's, it's certainly it's something we are trying to figure out, and it's it's actually a national um, issue. Uh, I've, I've talked to people in my place in other states, and they're all uh, trying to figure out a good solution for the same thing. Understandable. Yeah, that's and that's fair. We appreciate you saying you know, kind of owning that. Um, oh, for sure, uh, for sure. We, know, we want the schools to know first. Yeah. Um, we just want the schools also to get it directly from us, and and so it's it's definitely something where we need a solution right absolutely uh another thing that that our coaches were told that they wouldn't move just one sport to spring if they needed to move one sport they would move all the sports uh and they would tell you that or then not do it does that make sense the only part about that that we've communicated and i think maybe something got lost in the in the transport uh, we said that when it came to possibly switching fall and spring sports, we were going to move them all or not, or, or none. Uh, cool. We weren't going to move, you know, kind of like we talked about moving just track and field to the fall. Uh, we, we weren't going to move just one spring sport or move just one fall sport. It's either going to be all of the fall and all of the spring or, or none at all. So uh, that, that's all we've said uh, on that matter. Um, there hasn't been... I, there's been obviously a lot of a lot of uh, speculation out there about what they could look like, and, and I think there's definitely been some confusion because of how much has been discussed. But yeah, we, we've never really—I don't think we've ever said we were just going to move one sport uh, in a swap like that. Now, what's happened now with football? We have said that if there are fall sports we cannot start or conclude, we will move those one by one. Uh, but that was after we had already said fall sports in the fall, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. I mean, this is an unprecedented thing. I, you know, everybody kind of understands it, but it's it's confusing and it's tough to swallow, especially in high school sports where, you know, this might be the only shot these kids have and they're not going to get to play in college, you know? Yeah. So, um, And that's, that's why having a spring season is so important. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people, you know, I, the sports that were canceled last year uh, or this last school year in the spring, we've heard from people saying, well, you cancel our sport in the spring, why don't you just decide now to cancel football? Well, we don't want to cancel any sports. We didn't want to cancel the spring sports. We held out as long as we could on those to try and have them even into the summer if that was possible. Uh, unfortunately, it was not. But you're right. There's only – it's something like between 1% and 3%. I can't remember which one it is. Uh, go on and play at the college level. So sure. we're serving 
180 to 200,000 high school athletes. And if you consider that 97% of those, this is their time to play, uh, that's why we're going to try and figure out a way to do some unprecedented scheduling in the spring uh, to make all of this fit and, and at least give opportunities out there to play, if nothing else. Absolutely. I, yeah, I know you guys are, you've got a huge mess, you know, and so I'm trying to be fair, but also kind of get some of these these questions answered, too. Um, sure, sure. I personally, the first question I had um, personally was, look, the NCAA canceled a week ago, and then you guys canceled, um, on, you know, waited or held on till Friday. What, can you tell me kind of the reasoning or some of the thinking behind that sure. delay? Honestly, we do not consider ourselves similar to Division One sports, and there are a couple of reasons why. And the main one is, if you look at the Big Ten, and obviously there are still some Division One leagues that are playing football, uh, but the Big Ten uh, is not. And if you consider the Big Ten, they play from the middle of America, you know, with Iowa and Nebraska, all the way over to the East Coast. It's a huge, uh, huge uh, swath of land that they play over, uh, affecting millions of people. Uh, meanwhile, in Michigan, we're playing almost all of our games in state. Uh, we, for football, we probably had about 35 games against out-of-state uh, teams lined up, and that's out of, you know, 4,000 games total. So a very small percentage is played against teams out-of-state. And, and then even more locally, uh, our football teams and our high school teams play within their regions, uh, which means there's much less mixing uh, of communities and an opportunity to limit the spread that much more than something at the Division One college level. Sure. So we, we really didn't put ourselves um, in the same place as the Big Ten. The thing about the Big Ten decision that did, I think, concern a lot of our, our council members and, and led to them voting the way they did to not play this fall uh, was the fact that the Big Ten based their decision in part on the possible health concerns, the myocarditis concerns, uh, that have come to light just very recently. Uh, and so I'm sure that that was part of it, um, you know, as well as, as well as a lot of other things. Uh, we, we held on that extra week because we felt like with, with proper precautions, uh, we could give ourselves a chance and, and we just ran out of time. We, we got to the end of the first week and we were supposed to go into pads today. And our school people just did not feel comfortable taking that next step. Uh, they were fine with what we did all summer, which was socially distanced, mostly conditioning, some throwing, things like that. They were fine with what we did last week with helmets uh, and, and not full contact, but maybe a, a few more things like handoffs and things of that nature. But uh, we, we surveyed our schools and it was 60-40 that they wanted to play. And out of that 60%, there were a lot of comments that said we're, we're voting yes, but we don't really feel comfortable with it necessarily. Sure. Uh, and at the end of the day, I think even if we had progressed and gone on to play, uh, I think there would have been a lot of teams out there that would have run out of opponents. I, I think we would have, we, we had already had six or seven districts uh, decide not to play fall sports at all. And I think that number would have grown significantly. Right. Now, Jeff, um, you said the counseling body that voted, who all comprises that counseling body? Is that is that just administration from different school districts, or is there uh, medical staff, a government people? How how did that all? What is that composed of? I guess. Oh, it's it's 19 members. 
and they are from uh, majority are from school districts all over the state, uh, representing every region of the state, representing both large schools and small schools. Uh, there is one member, a non-voting member, that represents the Michigan Department of Education. Uh, and so, and, and among the rest, you have superintendents, you have people with coaching backgrounds where coaches or administrators are both at the same time right now, uh, athletic directors, of course. Uh, so a lot of school people, but with a lot of input. I mean, when we talk about medical input in this case, we have, we have tried to uh, dig into every source we could at the state level, at the national level, and beyond. We we uh, we have certainly cultivated uh, a body of knowledge here as we've tried to make these decisions. Okay. I I just want to say I you know something you guys did right I think you know as far as the uh, along with your article which was very informative. Mark posted that video too, which I, you know, as soon as I watched that video and read your article, I, my heart went out to him because it was, it was emotional and you could tell that he was emotional about it because it sounded like he's got a son in football and, um, it's not a decision that he wanted to make or was, was easy to make. And, um, so I give you guys credit for, for doing that. I kind of wanted to ask him about that and how his son was doing or how his son was handling it because it sounded like his, his boy's a senior and. Uh, do you, do you... Well, and yeah, for sure. I, he, his, his son's name is Grant, and he's one of the. I, I would say he's one of the better players on one of the better teams in the state. Um, at Dewitt, he was a starter last year as a junior. He's a three-sport athlete. He plays hockey and he plays baseball. I know Marcus said the toughest, one of the toughest, if not the toughest, call he had to make on Friday was home to tell Grant that uh, they were going to have to postpone the season. I mean, this is. Yeah. A kid who, a wonderful kid who's going to be fine after this, regardless. He's, you know, he's a four-point student and all these things. But we've watched him grow up, you know, at Ford Field during our finals since he was probably eight or nine years old. You know, being there every year. Um, someone who's grown up in this, whose dad, you know, he was a football coach and now he's the executive director of the MHSAA. And so I think why Mark wanted to talk about that on the video was to explain to people that this isn't just some decision being made by somebody in an office in East Lansing. Uh, this is being made by a dad of a child who, like all of these other students across the state, has been looking forward to this moment for the majority of their 17 or 18 years. And absolutely that hit Mark hard. Yeah. And uh, I, I was glad that some of that emotion came through in that video. Um, because people need to know this wasn't some decision that was just made, you know, turning over one day and saying, yeah, this sounds like a good idea. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're living this stuff like everybody else is. And, sure. and there are people here that are hurting very badly as well. We, we want to be out there. We want to have these students out there playing. This has been some of the worst five months in many of our lives. And we want to be out there too. Yeah. That, that, yeah, I just wanted to thank him for putting that in there, putting it, you know, sometimes we lose this human touch, you know, and uh, that was a very good personal touch that he put in there about, you know, his son. And I couldn't imagine having to be a, a dad and, you know, not getting to watch your kid play in, uh, you know, in his senior year and stuff. Even if he does go on to college, it's the, uh, you want to you want to enjoy every single moment. You know. Well, and there's something special about high school. Yeah. You know, I, right. we, the one thing that we've heard a little bit about is 
these elite players are going to go ahead and enroll at their schools uh, after December. They're going to finish high school early. That's that's been something that's been happening more and more over probably the last decade or so, and, and, and that's understandable. They want to get started on their college careers. I totally get that. Uh, I just I wish they'd take their time because sure. even if they have college uh, opportunities, high school. The, the, the just being part of those teams and playing in front of your communities is something that happens only once and for the average athlete might happen for two years mm-hmm. uh, obviously our, our elite athletes get more of an opportunity and they're going to play on grand stages but I wish they'd take their time and just get your fill of high school first and then go ahead and, and get that fill of college as well sure yeah don't be in too much of a rush to move exactly. on to, to bigger mm-hmm. things do you have a? Uh, you have we any all kids? Wish a little bit younger that way, I think. Sure. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any uh, kids of your own, Jeff, or or no? I do. I have okay. three, six, and younger. So. Okay, well, that's figuring good. that out right now. Thankfully, they don't have to deal with with that. Yeah. You know, which is right. nice. But I'm sure it's still scary, and the idea of just even going back to school is is tough. And uh, yeah, there's a lot going on there as as a parent, isn't there? Well, when when you have you know, in my case, and I'm sure in most people's cases, you have two parents who work, mm-hmm. uh, and suddenly we're teaching kindergarten on top of it. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. they're, they're doing a lot of things virtually, uh, which will be great. But I mean, with my oldest son, the toughest part is getting him to actually sit down and do it. Yeah. And, and, and you know, <laughs> without just wandering off and, and, you know, whatever else. So it certainly is a challenge. Uh, I, I I am glad that my children are younger because I don't know how much they're going to remember about this whole thing. Right. I, personally, I've had enough of hearing my four-year-old yell at his friends two doors down and ask them if they have the coronavirus. He shouldn't <laughs> even know what that word is. Um, but, it, you know, at the same time, they are young. And, and so they've still got a shot to do a lot of things. And that's why right now when, when I'm hurting for, for kids, I'm hurting for these ones that are in high school and especially the the seniors in the class of 2020 and the seniors and juniors right now. Uh, I, hey, I, I think I, I've got friends who have children that age. Um, I'm thinking about them all the time. And, and I just, I hope people realize we are doing everything in our power to come up with a plan to, to give them a good experience before this is all done. Yeah. Andy was just kind of laughing because he never he's got a, a you know five year old too he never yeah. thought he'd have to be a kindergarten teacher on top yeah, of this. You, you, and you I wasn't understand. wasn't really prepared for it yeah right. <laughs> you're walking that walk and you got to figure yeah. out when to when to blend that in and, mm-hmm. and yeah I mean I think teachers of those lower you know the younger kids just to, they know just keeping them organized within a classroom is a major challenge right. so oh yeah. I can't even imagine what it's like trying to keep people in front of a computer screen, both the parents <laughs> and the teacher who's trying to instruct. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's tough. So. Do you have any other questions, Andy? No, I do not. Okay. Uh, Jeff, do you, do you have anything else you'd like to add uh, today? Anything maybe we didn't address or anything? Any additional information you might want to get out there? Um, you know, the, the, the one thing, and I, I think I, I probably just touched on it, was we are in... Uh, these schools and these athletes and these families corners. Uh, I, I know that Friday, uh, when we were still playing football, half the state was mad at us because they thought it was unsafe. And by the time the decision came out, 
at the end of the day, the other half of the state was mad at us because they wanted to keep playing. Right. Uh, I know people who were wary of having their children playing last week, and then now that practice has been canceled, are sad and upset because practice has been canceled. I understand how you can have uh, those feelings on, on both sides of the situation, but uh, trust me, we are we're there with you. And yeah, although it's not necessarily our children who are out there, in some cases it is, and we want this badly. We're, we, we work here because we care a lot about high school and middle school sports, and we understand uh, the lessons that come out of those, and, and they've affected our lives, and that's probably a great inspiration for why we've chosen to go down this road. So just please know we're there with you, and, and, and keep in mind uh, on a grander scale, even though football has to wait, uh, right now the rest of our fall sports are playing, and that's great news. And, and navigating those with, with all of these precautions is going to be great preparation as we continue to get back into the school year. Uh, as schools prepare to get students back into classes on campus, uh, this is all, it's all a step. It might be a little bit smaller step than we had hoped to take at this point, uh, but we're still walking and, and we'll get where we're going. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us today, Jeff. I really appreciate your help and your time and, and everything. We went a little bit longer than we promised you. We we tend to get kind of wordy, but uh, thank <laughs> you. Time. No. All right. My pleasure. All right. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. You have a good yep. one. Thanks, guys. Take care. You too. Yep. Bye. Well, there it is. Hope you all like that interview with Jeff Kimberly from the MHSAA. Uh, I think we got a lot of questions answered. What do you think, Wataki? Yeah, I think we did. I think it was very informative. Very informative indeed. Uh, you mocking me? What would you like me to say? It wasn't exactly a, a riot and a half uh, it was a, it, comedy hour. It was a serious, uh, it was a very serious interview, and there was a lot of things I wanted to make sure got answered. You could kind of see him sweating on the Zoom call, I think. Yeah. So we'll we'll post that, and um, you can see Mr. Kim really sweating a little bit. He, was, he wasn't briefed on any questions prior to this either. It was kind of just, here they are. And... He wasn't. And the poor guy was, was asked to do this interview at the last minute. I mean, we, we asked him this morning. He graciously said yes. And then I put him on the spot with some tough questions from, from coaches from around the area. Mm-hmm. So I, I really appreciate him coming on. Look forward to talking to him again. And uh, please visit our Etsy shop. <laughs> I'll insert that part again. You, go ahead. Please visit our Etsy shop, uh, read our, our blog, our journal, and be sure to give us a bad review. Yeah. Because that's what we like. We like hearing your negative responses. This is we the only place on the internet. off of your negativity. We love it. We're like the dementors. Yeah. You know, we enjoy negative feedback more than you will understand. So please leave us a negative just, just, um, just a nasty negative, comment. Oh, just vile. Just be awful. Just no mercy. Don't show us any mercy because it is a pretty terrible show. So we'd appreciate any kind of bad feedback you can you can give. Uh, it doesn't even have to be constructive. No, yeah, no. Just just yeah. insulting is, is fine with me. As long as you're buying a mug or a t-shirt off of Etsy, we really don't care. Buy, buy it and burn it. I mean, yeah smash it just throw yeah. it right in your dumpster Don't yeah when, when you have a bad day at work just smash our mugs that's right let them find out how bad we are okay <laughs> we'll talk to you next week on the small market podcast
you've been listening to the Small Market Podcast. Like and comment, interact with us on Facebook at the Small Market Podcast, subscribe to the podcast on Anchor and Spotify, or email us at smallmarketpodcast at gmail.com. Music for Small Market Podcast was provided by the band Cura. Thank <laughs> you.